0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We're talking Elijah Moore and Amon Ross St. Brown on Roto-Viz Radio. Welcome into the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners here at RotoViz. I will be doing this pod solo as Curtis is fully entrenched in working on the RotoViz rookie guide right now. And we did not want to disturb that flow as we really uh, are putting an in effort into releasing this document as soon as we possibly can. As I said on yesterday's episode, We met Curtis, I, Sean, Blair, and Travis May on Monday night, did a full ranking summit. We did a ton of drafts um, in different formats, rotating where everybody was able to pick in those drafts to kind of almost build like a Rotoviz analyst ADP of where we see the rookies falling out right now. It was a very informative exercise. My quick takeaway on the way that this class shapes up is that there are very few players, almost if any, really, that you can look at here and say, I feel extremely confident saying that this player is going to be a fantasy superstar. Now, that could change as we have more time to really dig in see how athletic testing might shape some of these scenarios, see what some of these scouts on the teams think or, or or the information that comes out of what teams think of these players is that might change the draft capital for some of these guys, which we know is super important. Uh, but as I see it now, and I'm not saying that there aren't going to be guys that do emerge as superstars. Because that always is in play with classes. It's always hard to know how many you're going to get from each class. And there generally are always guys that emerge that become substantial fantasy contributors. The thing is, you don't always know who those players are going to be. And at this point this year, I think it's a very challenging class for identifying who those players are going to be, which is why I think it's going to be really important for dynasty managers this year to narrow down that list of the guys that they do think are going to be the most likely to be those superstars and then the most likely to be contributors. And I think that a lot of that this year is gonna come down to draft capital. So we're gonna have to catch up to that. But it's gonna be really important this year to get your short list of guys that you're really interested in. Because I feel like this year, uh, just throwing darts, is going to be something that's hard to do because you would have to be just blindly throwing those darts whereas in some years there's 10 or 15 guys that look like they have some potential and maybe we'll get to that list but as of now i think it's going to be hard to build that list without really studying this class so we will have a lot more on that as time comes but that was kind of my quick takeaway from a really um fun time that we had last night getting to know these prospects better and working on the rookie guide Today, we are going to do some of the historical context analysis that I talked about in the past, looking at Elijah Moore and Amon Ra St. Brown. And uh, let's just go ahead and start talking about Elijah Moore. As we know, took him a little bit to get going this year. Once he did get going, did some impressive things. In an offense that was not one of the best had to overcome some obstacles in order to string together some solid numbers at the end of the year. As Curtis talked about earlier this year, from a dynasty perspective, there's a lot of reasons to be excited about Elijah Moore. So as a reminder, his first three games of the season came uh Fairly slowly, although you could argue that his second game against New England was kind of encouraging for a player's second game. Uh, He opened with just 0.7 points against Carolina, 8.7 against New England, 5.2 against Denver. Uh, Then between weeks four and six, he missed one week. The Jets had a bye and he put up a zero spot against Atlanta. But week seven on almost at 10 points every game, 10.2 in his second game against New England. 13.1 against Cincinnati, 27.4 against Indy, 13.4 against Buffalo, which is nothing to scoff at, uh, 29.6 against Miami, 9.3 against Houston, then a 20.6 against Philadelphia. Uh, that was weeks one through 13 weeks, 14, on. more actually missed out with a quadriceps injury. So bit of a truncated rookie season, but in that time. Ranked 49th in targets, uh, 58 in reception, 61 receiving yards, 19 in total touchdowns, 45 in air yards, 35 in whopper, 89 in racer, 15 PPR, but more importantly, 32 in PPR game, which is impressive given the slow start, 38 in expected points per game, which is pretty solid, um, again, given that it took him a little bit of time to get inserted into the offense and then 60th in fantasy points over expectation per game. Ranked 24th in yards after catch per reception, um, 42 in air yards per target, and managed to be a wide receiver one in 27% of games with three wide receiver one performances. So that's some of the raw totals, some of the efficiency stats. Um, If we look at targets, though, uh, we can see that in the first four games, he went four, eight, and six targets, then two against Atlanta. So those actually are decent um, target numbers. Uh, the quality, though, from an expected points perspective, went up after that. Uh, and then we see him at six targets or up the rest of the year uh, with some notable performances, eight targets eight targets against Indy, 11 against Miami, and 13 against Philadelphia. Like I said, if you look at the expected points, Uh, You can see that they're all above 10 with some getting up into the 20 range. Uh, When you look past week seven um, was down under the 10 for the majority of the first five weeks of the year. Now, if we go into the Rotovis screener and we pull up Elijah Moore's rookie season, Again, 45 receptions for him, 80 receiving targets, 538 receiving yards, 140.2 PPR, five receiving targets, 34% um receiving uh, of deep receiving percentage, um, and a catch rate of around 56. His closest comps are Johnny Knox, Antonio calloway Terrence Williams, Des Bryant, Titus Young, Cortland Sutton, John Brown, Aaron Dobson. Marlon Brown, Chris Givens, Denarius Moore, Josh Gordon, Robert Woods, Kenny Britt, Marquise Brown, Gabriel Davis, Doug Baldwin. So when I read that off, I think that listeners will will hear a number of names that are not that impressive. I would say though that there are a number of good names in here. And when you're looking at a comp list for a player that didn't smash their entire rookie season, you're going to expect to see some guys that you might not equate As having been, you know, very relevant fantasy players. Of course, you do have guys in there like Robert Woods, who actually took a little bit to get going in his career, but actually put together a pretty solid career once he recovered from that. You know, somebody like Johnny Knox, uh, not the greatest player to have on the list, uh, but but that's going to happen. Um, so I see guys like John Brown as positive. I see somebody like Titus Young as a positive, obviously Des, Josh Gordon, and that's a positive Marquise Brown, Gabriel Davis. We saw that performance. He had Doug Baldwin. These are pretty solid guys to be comped to. Um, so his rookie season overall, I would say definitely was a, a success and looking forward We'll have to see how this Jets team continues to develop, but he should be playing a pretty significant role in this offense moving forward. We should expect improvement. And the thing to keep in mind here is that he already, as I said earlier, ranked in at 32 in PPR per game. Maybe builds a little bit better of a relationship with Wilson. The team's offense can take a couple steps forward and we could be looking at a guy that is a very solid wide receiver 3 um or better right like 19 in total touchdowns on the volume that he had is pretty solid um the expected points were solid and should go up so i think that there's a lot of reason to be excited about Elijah Moore and if we go and just quickly check out our dynasty rankings That will also give us an idea of where uh, we are on Elijah Moore. So at this point in our rankings, mine are relatively fresh. Curtis's are relatively fresh with us both having them done in January. We'll probably make another pass for a cleanup once the playoffs are done. And then, um, you know, go from there as things change, given anything that might happen in the draft and free agency. But we actually have Elijah Moore right now in Dynasty between Curtis and I as the wide receiver 15 behind guys like Stefan Diggs, Deontay Johnson, and ahead of guys like Chris Godwin, Terry McLaurin, and Marquise Brown. So that's pretty impressive um, for Moore. And I think that there's reason to be excited about him as we move into
0: 2022. Just go to Indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: So let's shift here and we'll do the same analysis. We're going to be looking at Amon Ross St. Brown, who, as we talked about on the show a number of times this year, had an absolutely ridiculous end to the season, Like Moore was playing in an offense that definitely was not one of the best in the league. As a result, that presented some challenges. He also was a prospect that was not the most highly touted heading into the year. Some of that was given the situation. Some of that was also given the profile. Um, Obviously, wasn't going to receive the attention of guys like Jamar Chase, but now has really positioned himself into a situation where you have to take him pretty seriously as a dynasty manager. So let's break down those numbers right now. So the first thing I want to look at here is the arc of his season. And I'm just going to read left to right here from week one to week 18, his points per game. And I'm going to note when I get to week 13, which is where we see the explosion. So 4.3 against San Francisco, 4.8 against green Bay, 1.2 points against Baltimore, 13 against Chicago, 13.5 against Minnesota. Uh, 9.6 against Cincy, uh, 0 against the Rams, 7.6 against Philly. Week 9, he had off. Week 10, 10.1 against Pitt. Uh, week 11, 5.8 against Cleveland. Chicago in week 12, 6.3. Then Minnesota in 13 is where we see the explosion. 24.8, then 15.3 against Denver. 23.5 against Arizona. 26 against Atlanta. 35.4 against Seattle, then 26.1 against Green Bay in week 18. If we look at the expected points, what you're going to see is he was capping out around 12 and a half-ish, maybe even 13. You could say in weeks one through 12, probably averaging somewhere around nine. Then week 13, makes sense that we see those numbers going up because he's at 18 or more expected points the entire time, probably averaging somewhere around 23. So from a target volume... Um, his targets were maxing out around eight in weeks one through 12, probably averaging somewhere around five and a half. And then we see them averaging 11, um, 10 or more every week from week 13 through 18, uh, two of those weeks at 12, three at 11, and one at 10. So does that seem like a type of volume that could continue? Well, when you look at the game logs, You're going to see that his market share for week 13 was 32, 32 in week 14, 44 in week 15, 33 in week 16, 31 in week 17, 36 in week 18. Depending on the changes that this team makes in their wide receiver core, we should see St. Brown, I think you could expect him to be at a market share of around 25, 26, which would be very high for a player like him with the potential to creep up. Uh, I would imagine that the Lions do some things to bolster their wide receiver core. At some point, uh, to some extent, it was kind of in flux with who the other guys in the offense were throughout the year. Uh, if you were to go to the weekly Stat Explorer that we have up on the site and play around with the different weeks that you're looking at, let's actually do that now. Um, so just bear with me here as I pull as I pull this up um, because I think that it's going to be important to understand the wide receivers on the team that we're seeing volume as Hawkinson's going to be entrenched in that offense at the tight end position. So let's just look at wide receivers. So weeks one through five, actually let's do weeks one through four. um, You had Khalif Raymond getting 14%, uh, Quintus Cephas at 12, Amon Ross St. Brown at 12 weeks, five through eight, we have St. Brown going up to 15 Raymond at 14, Daryl Hodge at nine, uh, Quintus Cephas at tw- uh, uh, 10%. So then weeks nine, let's do weeks nine through 13 now. And let's really see if we can see this slow creep. Because now the names are starting to change. You have Amon Ross St. Brown at 24%, Josh Reynolds at 18, Khalif Raymond at 12, Trinity Benson at 12. Now, if you remember, there was a point in the season where Raymond was looking like a guy that manager should be adding to the roster for down the stretch. Turned out to be Brown. So then week 14 through 18, we see St. Brown at 35%, Reynolds at 17%, Khalif Raymond at 15 and Hodge at eight. So you do have Cephas dropping out throughout the season, but you did have him battling with Reynolds, Raymond, and Hodge for a good portion of it. So depending on what happens, you can see his numbers coming down, but I do think It's realistic that he's at 24, 25, 26 next year, which for a lot of wide receivers is a very impressive amount. So let's hop back to just kind of looking at what else St. Brown did this year. And let's look at some of his rankings now that we've established that his situation looks somewhat sustainable. And remember, when I say that 24, 25, 26, I'm discounting off of where he was uh, and assuming that there are some things done to kind of reshape the wide receiving core. He was 22 in targets, 13 in receptions, 27 in receiving yards, 19 in total touchdowns, tied with more, 15 air yards, 35 in whopper, 14 in racer. So he was very good at converting um, air yards uh, 21 in PPR, 29 in PPR per game, 32 in EP per game, and 46 in fantasy points over expectation per game. Now, the other thing I want to look here, of course, as we did with more, is going into the rotovis screener. As always, this is one of our favorite things to do here, and let's see the names. That he matches up with when looking at that rookie season. So, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, you have him at 86 receptions, 113 receiving targets, 803 receiving yards, four receiving touchdowns, uh, a deep percentage of 15, catch rate of 76. This puts him with players like Jarvis Landry, Eddie Royal, CD Lamb, Kendall Wright, Cooper Cup, Jalen Waddell, Brandon Iook, Jeremy Macklin, Andre Johnson. Debo Samuel, Dwayne Bowe, Deontay Johnson, T Higgins, Darno Mooney, Percy Harvman, Justin Blackman, Stefan Diggs, DJ Moore, and LaVisca Chenault. Um, that is a pretty darn impressive group of players to be matched with. A lot of players here that had sustained fantasy success were very useful. Um, And I think I would argue this is much more exciting than Moore's profile. Although I do feel like some people are still more excited about Moore than they are St. Brown. And I'm actually, after considering that, wondering if we need to tweak where Amon Ra St. Brown is in our dynasty rankings. Uh, Because we actually have him right now at a position rank of 39. So I think that this makes a great talking point of something we're going to have to discuss with Curtis um, when he is back and something that I'm going to talk about with the rest of the team uh, because I feel like that's a pretty large disparity. And I think that this highlights why it's important in the offseason to go back and make sure that you're updating your priors and making sure that the... Evaluation, or the valuation, I guess I would say, that you're giving to a player heading into the next year really is reflective of what actually happened and that there aren't any biases or anything uh, that's clouding your perspective or that's going into your analysis that might be leading you to a conclusion that um, isn't uh, being consistently applied across players. So I think that there's a lot of reason to be excited about both of these guys. I know that one of the arguments against St. Brown would be that I'm being, um, I guess, overly optimistic about what his role will be in Detroit. And then also that things are inflated by how he performed at the end of the year and that that section wasn't sustainable and that my 24, 25, 26% market share expectation right now is overzealous. So I think that might be fair. Perhaps when we get Curtis's opinion or I get some other team members' opinions, they can kind of talk me down on him a little bit and see where we end up. So that will be something that we come back to. We're going to look at Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, just how ridiculous they were this year. The rest of the rookie wide receivers we will probably look at some of the running backs and other positions too. Uh, Neil Dutton wrote a piece on Kyle Pitts that we're going to have to revisit. So there's a lot of things coming down the line uh, as always appreciate you hanging out with me and spending some time and we will be back later in the week. Thank you for listening to the Viz fantasy football show. Send us questions at RVFF show at gmail.com Follow us on Twitter at Dave CabinF and at C NFL Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.
0: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist.